You are now listening to Kindred Spirits Podcast on the RFK Refugees Podcast Network. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to Kindred Spirits here on the RFK Refugees Podcast Network. Ted is here. John is not here. Uh, John is currently, I don't know, somewhere in Saskatchewan, we'll say. I don't know. He's somewhere. Somewhere out in the abyss. If you see John, be sure to give him a, be sure to give a, say hi to him. Uh, but in, but in the meantime, as filling in for John is producer Brian's on the show. Produ- Brian, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right, Ted. Um, it's a new week. Um, there will <laughs> be new soccer games to be played um, with hopefully some more exciting results on the field. Uh, so I'm excited <laughs> about that. How you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm um, obviously we, we just finished up talking DC. Um, obviously, you know, I've got, uh, the Champions League final coming up, lots of soccer, lots of soccer to discuss and lots of soccer to talk about. Uh, but we begin this, we begin our show, uh, talking about the Washington Spirit who are continuing, uh, their Murderer's Row death tour of 2022, uh, playing two road games all on the West Coast against, on the road against the Portland Thorns. And on the road against Rain FC, um, and they pick up uh, two points from both those games, both those road games. So, in all honesty, about as good as you could have maybe hoped for, um, considering considering their schedule, considering there is still uh, lingering injuries that are going on, uh, considering the just the the slew of games that this team has had to put themselves through, uh, literally. Uh, two more playing two more games than just about every other team in this. Um, in the in the NWSL, other than North Carolina, um, so in all sense, uh, kind of a, a good thing. I think that this team came out, got they battled, uh, they you know played against two, what many still consider two of the top uh, two top teams in the league, and in, in Earl Rain and uh, Portland Thorns, certainly some some of the more talented teams in the league, uh, but getting the job done, so to speak. Um, so. Uh, any any opening thoughts from you from these games? Let's start with I guess with the Portland game. That was probably that that was certainly the more um, the more meme friendly game I would say, <laughs> um, as far as far as what happened in the game. Uh, but uh, obviously uh, the spirit going down early, um, a really nice goal uh, for the Portland Thorns, um, and uh, but they you know did manage to battle back. Uh, I thought offensively we talked about I think the disappointment of the. Um, disappointment of the Angel City FC game. I thought offensively this team still put together um, some much better play against Portland, uh, even though it was a late night and it was coming off of that uh, that disappointing uh, DC game. So it was, yeah. it was. I was kind of dragging a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and you know, I think that the the team and maybe the teams were dragging. Um, there was not much going on in the first half of that portland game on either side of the ball um Mm -hmm. it was it you know i i think there were some tired legs um it it wasn't really until the second half uh, you know you mentioned um the the portland goal um that things really started to kick up on on both sides of the ball um so so yeah no I, i i don't really have a whole lot to say you know i think I think this is a, a tough time for the spirit. I think there are some things that they're missing. You know, I think that they're um, Andy Sullivan is someone that I'm, I'm anxiously uh, awaiting uh, coming back into the field. Um, 
she brings a lot of stability um, that I think this team needs um, and a lot of consistency um, to go along with the, you know, potent offensive threat of what I still think is, is the most dangerous, you know, front three in the league. Um, But, you know, I I think that there's um, that's well offset um, when you've got some consistent performance in the middle of the field. Um, and I think that's an area that, that we're really missing right now. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I, I don't want this whole podcast to be me hammering on the schedulers, but I do think, you know, you look at, you talk about these games and it's like trying to come up with things to talk about specifically. I mean, we can, you know, obviously talk about, uh, the great ball that Anna Halfordy plays over to Ashley Hatch, who heads the ball in the back of the net, the great goal by some Sophia Smith, but like there, there isn't. A whole lot in this game even the the second goal which was ruled for offsides and we'll get into that uh i feel like the league is almost kind of doing themselves a disservice uh you know in this part of the season again you know there's not a lot of the it's the same attention um focused on on you know on the on the nwsl um as there was you know maybe for the challenge cup and certainly as we get more towards the tail in the year the focus will resume but if you're trying to get people who sit down and say, hey, I want to check out what NWSL is about, you know, let me check out the, you know, let me check out, you know, Spirit versus OL Rain. And it's like you're watching this and you're like, this is like, this is not good soccer. Like, this isn't entertaining. There's not very many attacks. There isn't really anything. I thought the Portland game, there's at least a little bit, a little bit more than the, than the OL Rain game as far as opportunities uh, for either side. Um, obviously, you have the two goals, so it certainly was a lot more. But I thought overall there there was a little bit more. Uh, it gave me hope that this team, even my biggest fear is that this team is going to just kind of limp. And they are limping right now. I mean, don't get me wrong, but it was, this team was very much going to sort of limp. Uh, and I thought when that Sophia Smith goal get in, I was like, I don't know if this team has the ability to find a way back into the game. Uh, and they did. And they very nearly very well could have won this game and they could have stolen Um Stolen three points. Let, let's get to that moment because that probably in the Portland game that probably was uh, one of the more seminal moment, seminal moments uh, for uh, for the Spirit. So the Spirit get a uh, get a corner kick. Mm-hmm. Balls floated in. I believe Sam Staub gets on the end of it. It kind of ping pongs around, um, and then the ball goes into the back of the net. The whole team is celebrating. They are celebrating like they they won the goal. I believe. Uh, was it? It was Sam Staub that kind of runs over, um, over to the uh, over to the side, and then she realizes she's offside, looks around, and then without even thinking about it, Portland starts an attack. I, I go back and forth on whether the referee should stop them mm-hmm. or you know hold up play and allow you know allow things to be realized um, because it's certainly like it's not a it, it wasn't the type of offside that. You know, the ball goes in and you kind of wonder, am I onside? I mean, literally, I don't think anybody thought the goal was offside except the except the linesman. Mm-hmm. Um, again, replay's hard to see. Um, the Spirit certainly contested it. They're certainly silently contesting it. The What we'll talk about later was for, I think, other reasons. Um, but it, it was sort of a... It was sort of a weird moment, and then the referee sort of lets them play, and then uh, the two young, the two youngest players on the team, uh, or one at least one of the two, certainly on the younger side of the field, Ashley Sanchez and Trinity Raman basically take the role of uh, of of wing of sort of center backs and push back and 
literally save a goal from happening. Um, and that was, I thought, one of the more impressive moments from this week from this team. Uh, those two players, despite the, the slew of games, you know, found that sort of extra gear to the very least sort of preserve the point, mm-hmm. um, particularly after being stolen. Again, we don't have a good look. I, I have watched that replay at least five or six times trying to determine whether it was onside or off. I can't tell. It is incredibly difficult to tell. And it doesn't Do you matter. Have any sort of, uh... <laughs> and, uh, it doesn't matter because we don't have uh, VAR in NWSL. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and I don't even know like what camera angle like you, you know like they at very least they have VAR, you know when you watch MLS games they always have the side camera angle. Mm-hmm. We don't have that here, so we literally have not we have nothing but sort of the, uh, but with sort of the mid midfield camera, and it's impossible to tell. I think even with VAR with the current camera setup, there is no way anybody would overrule that because there's no way to know for sure. Um, so you kind of just have to go with go with the call um, in that front. Yeah. So, um, obviously, uh, I mean, any, any uh, anything else? Uh, I think those are the kind of the things that stood out about this game. Was there anything else in this game that you felt stood out? No, no, not from this game. You know, I think I think um, the the goalkeeper um, for for Portland um, kept kept it a, a draw as much as anything else. Um, I was looking. You know, I think. The, the spirit um, had a lot more shots. I, I think the the Portland keeper had six saves on the game. Um, mm-hmm. So where it you know the the spirit aren't putting any less pressure. It doesn't seem like uh, on the offensive half than they were last year. Uh, they just don't mm-hmm. seem to be converting at the same clip uh, that they were then uh, at the end of twenty twenty one. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think, I think, I think this is largely. I think this is due to the slew of games. So, yeah. in my mind, I, I think this team certainly has the ability to get back to that level. They were certainly at that level, you know, exiting the group stage of the Challenge Cup. It's just now they've played five or six games after that, and it's it's just not been, not not been as good. So, um, so yeah, I think you know we we can talk a little about the old rain game. Um, it it was certainly not a not it was it was probably on the left side. I think both teams were just kind of tired. Uh, not many opportunities for either side. Uh, Kingsbury I think had at least one good one pretty good save out of this game. Um, but it, overall, just uh, there's not a whole lot you can glean from this game. I unless there's anything you wanna you wanna add about this game, or should we get into no. maybe some of the some of the no. juicier some of the other more juicier side? <laughs> no. Um, le- let's i i'd say um let's make sure we uh do do you want to talk uh the rain first or uh or get into the juicy stuff now let's talk let's 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 talk let's talk rain okay um, let, let's let's get that let's let's eat our vegetables before we get into the meat right <laughs> mm-hmm. um the rain game was another one that and this is where i, I really feel like um you started to see um the uh the legs really start to go out of the team um you know again i i i think that um they were less proficient in the attack in this game uh, I'm, I'm looking mm-hmm. now at the stats uh looks like uh you know uh t- two shots on goal maybe um for for the spirit in this game um 
you know, I, I don't think it was a bad performance. I think it was was pretty average. Um, you know, I, I think that you see a lot of rotation um, in in the team. Um, you know, uh, mentioned mentioned earlier uh, wanting to see Andy back on the field. We got to see Andy come in in the second half of this game. Um, very good got to see a, a lot of movement um but 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 not a whole lot the, there's one funny moment from from the game that that i found um and that's uh when when trinity got rodman uh got a yellow card um for someone kicking a ball at her um i, I felt that 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 was <laughs> uh my comic relief from a from an otherwise um interesting game there, there was a foul in the play and on the restart um trinity was you know maybe a yard or two from uh from where they were playing the ball in and um the the rain player just kicks it in the back of uh a trinity and the the referee, I, I think, assumed Trinity was interfering with the restart of play and walked over and gave gave her a yellow card. Um, and you know, I don't think there's you know, um, we we can't get fined, um, but I don't think there's anything that that better sums up um, NWSL uh, refereeing at this point in time. <laughs> yeah, it's this certainly wasn't a good moment. I mean, a couple of other things I saw. I know in the first half, the team really couldn't get much attacks together. There's a lot of crosses just kind of going over the, the, the pinpoint accuracy we've seen from this team on crosses was and not passes. there. Yeah. Just wasn't there. Uh, just wasn't there in this game. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it was, a, it was a tough performance, but you know, you played, you don't necessarily have your best game and you get a point. I think that's certainly, it's certainly, certainly a good thing. Um, in, in one sense that you're able to kind of, you're able to kind of get that to get that result uh, if, at the very least. Yeah. Um let's get let's get into the juicy stuff which was um Chris Ward's comments um at the end of the game. Uh really sort of dispelling his displeasure at the at the refereeing situation. Um and really sort of making a call onto the league and in which the team, you know, quoted it out. He's talked about several instances. Uh particularly he he brought up the fact <laughs> I think he disclosed how much um, how much NWSL players are fined, which is apparently Ashley Hatch was fined a hundred dollars, which is it, it, it's interesting. I find that interesting. It's you know usually you see these fines, it's in the thousands, and you know a hundred dollars is. And he talked about that, you know, she, you know she took the fine, and you know, but there's t- instances where you know I've had players break ribs. Uh, I think he definitely I couldn't remember the exit player he said, uh, but he said it was a player who literally broke her ribs. Right. And uh, the the referees seemed to say, "Well, she continued on, and that was it." So uh, he was very upset. He was fine for those comments uh, that he made. Um, honestly, I, I think what you're seeing right now, what you're seeing right now in, in American soccer refereeing, is, and I do honestly believe this: the top level, your 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 top level referees are not as bad as people want to make them out to be. Um, a lot of them actually do do a pretty decent job of refereeing a game. The problem comes once you get past those sort of top-level guys. Um, and when you have a you know an MLS, a league at MLS, where there are 30 teams and there are 15 games and you've got 15 center referees, you know, and then it, it's not right. It's certainly not right. I mean, it, I, I wish... It wasn't this way, but you know, when pro is doing their assigning, they're going to give 
the best assignment. They're going to give the, you know, MLS assignments to their top, you know, most experienced and top level referees. Um, and then kind of it goes down from there for some of your for the other referees. And I think, you know, I, I think the finger needs to be pointed at, at certainly at pro as far as training goes and trying to get more top level referees, get more guys in there. Um, I think also, you know, uh, obviously the NWSL not having VAR or not, you know, insisting on it, I think is also a huge problem. Um, but it's some, it's clear something needs to change. Uh, the You have players getting hurt, players getting injured. And I think, you know, Chris Ward was right to say it. I think he knew he was probably going to get fined. Um, I think the social media admin uh, certainly was probably reprimanded for, for their tweet. I'm, I'm trying to think who the person is. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got the fine as well. I hope I hope <laughs> that's not being charged to said social media person directly. I hope that is not being taken from their paycheck. I hope that's something the league is paying because um, social media admins are not well are not well paid, um, at least. And uh, yeah, so. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in a. Yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, I think I, you know, this podcast is I think is a fan of the the comments that that Chris Ward had and not not because we're fans of the spirit, but I, I think we believe um first and foremost in player safety. And mm-hmm. what what you didn't hear was somebody saying, oh, you know, well, you know, there's a penalty call that should have gone our way. Um, it was. It was focused on player safety and on the safety of um, of the, these women on, on the field. And, you know, I think that when you look at the role of a referee not to dictate the outcome of a game or to, you know, the, the rules are, are there, um, in, in some way to make the game fair, but in a large part to maintain the health and safety of the players. And, and, you know, as, as somebody who's, who's refereed, you know, at the lowest level, um, you know, but (laughs) I'm as well (laughs) that, that that's something that's reinforced. And so, you know, I, I think it's good that Chris felt okay to speak up in that regard because mm-hmm. saying, talking about it from a, oh, you know, the decision went one way or the other, you know, that, you know, that goal wouldn't have been there if we had had VAR. Um, that's not going to get you anywhere. Um, but when you start looking at, you know, what it means, you know, a player with a broken rib. And if VAR catches something that turns a yellow to a red, um, or if the refereeing committee comes back and talks about decisions that were made and things that they're, they're changing, um, which you also don't hear, um, then that changes it. It's not going to change that instance, but it changes the next time, right? Somebody thinks, has a second thought about going in um, too hard on a challenge um, or, you know, you know, doing something when the referee is not watching. Um, you know, I, I, th- I think that, um, you know, there's been a lot of movement in this league, especially 
on the safety of the players off the field. Um, and, you know, I think with the state of refereeing being what it is, that it's good to um, point to that same level of safety on the field and, and ask questions about whether or not, um, you know, the NWSL and um, the refereeing corps is doing enough. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I mean, in my mind, it does come down to, you know, the, there's a lot of the um, a lot of the the sort of secondary. So you have the you know the whole union issue um, with a lot of referees who are, you know, certainly a higher level than I have than I'll ever be um, or, or you'll ever be, um, but are still kind of on those, you know, pro, you know, lower division pro um, or, you know, refereeing NWSL games who have asked for you know, certain rights and, you know, in, in pay, uh, you know, making it to that top level, you know, a lot of your top level pro referees or FIFA referees probably are pretty well compensated, but it probably drops off pretty, pretty far, especially when you account for travel. Uh, you know, we're still in a, a COVID pandemic, so that certainly doesn't, you know, doesn't help things. You can't, you know, ref- these referees are not paying, they're going commercial on probably almost all of their flights. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough situation. So, I mean, in my opinion, the solution is, you know, you maybe you pay more for referees to encourage them to stay. You know, we don't know the number of referees that may have been exceptionally good referees that, you know, maybe just said, this isn't worth it for me. I can't, I gotta, I, I need a job that's actually going to sustain me. Um, and then they leave it and, you know, or maybe they stay in kind of that lower level and then, you know, they don't have the experience to move up. Um, so that, I think that, that aspect could change it. Um, also, I, again, I reiterate, just be nice, be nicer to youth referees, your U11 referee, be nicer to him. And, and if you think, and you think I'm crazy, you think I'm crazy, uh, in college, uh, I referee and, and I've, I've talked about this guy a lot that I knew I refereed a rec game with him when I was like a, a junior in college. And he was like, a he was like a, a freshman, I think in college, I refereed a rec game. Now he's out there. I've watched him referee NWSL games. I've watched him referee professional games. You never know the referee standing out there might be a guy who, who is an exceptionally talented referee and you want to complain why there are no good pro referees is because just get, you have to get through that, that level. And some people just can't handle that. I mean, if they're in a professional setting, maybe they can handle it a little better, uh, but they're like in a kid's game, you're yelling at them. I mean, it's, it, it, it has an effect. So mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's my sense. That's my sense on that. Um, it's, it's certainly something I think everybody could do to sort of improve the refereeing, which is go ahead, yell at the, I yell at the professional referees. They're professionals. They're paid a lot of money to go out there and do a job. They're refereeing professional players. Go ahead. But your kids and your your youth games and even your adult league, uh, some of your adult league games, you know, maybe be a little bit a little bit nicer. If you want better professional refereeing, uh, maybe treat them a little bit better, and and you'll see the good. You'll see the cream more of the cream rise rise to the top, as they say. So, um, and that's all we want to say. Team got fined. Um, you know, it's a, it's, it's certainly a situation that the NW, the NWSL is, it needs to fix. And I also think, you know, Chris Ward, I don't think he was pointing specific referees. I think he was also saying the league needs to take action in some of this, you more, more pointing, more directing it towards the league, which I think was also where it should go. Um, not necessarily to, to the guy who's out there doing it, but also to the, uh, to the league to, to try to improve things. Uh, one more, I think, quick hit before we go. Obviously, the, the big news uh, following was the new U.S. Women's uh, Collective Bargaining Agreement, uh, which was signed uh, by the uh, by both the men's and the women's players. A historic deal. Incredible, incredible deal. Uh, basically, 
the big sticking point, and I think I think the most um, the the topic. There's tons of podcasts that break it down. I think the one thing I want to talk about real quickly is the um, is obviously the uh, the splitting of the World Cup money. This was always the big sticking point. Uh, basically, if the U.S. women go out and win next next year's World Cup, um, they could potentially make less than if the U.S. Uh, bomb out of the group. Right. Um, and it's certainly not fair. Uh, and so this was sort of a design to, you know, pull, you know, basically pull all that money together and it's going to be div- divvied out equally. Uh, so, you know, the men took took an economic hit. Um, I will also add <laughs> that most of those players, uh, particularly uh, Walker Zimmerman's designated player contract, who might be the starting defender, probably makes more than I would say at least some uh, NWSL rosters combined. Uh, so the men have plenty of revenue avenues out there for them. Um, you look at Christian Pulisic making $55 million. I think of like if the U.S. bomb out of the World Cup, I think it's like something like $15 million or something that they split between the players. Uh, that's not a big hit on his contract. But for, uh, you know, a, a player like Trini Rodman, that's, you know, almost half of her current contract that she might get, uh, you know, in addition. And it also, I think, hopefully puts pressure on FIFA. Um, and I'll, let me let me ask you, I want to get into this main point because there's been a lot of people on social media coming not from a good place. And I want to dispel a lot about this, uh, a lot about the sort of prize money and what they award and what they don't award. But uh, first, I want to get your thoughts, your thoughts on the CBA, um, anything that sort of struck you about this. No, no Ted, Ted, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think that this is, this is such an easy decision to make. Um, and I'm glad that it was made with both the men and the women at the same time. Um, and, and I think you hit on a good point, right? Um, for most of the players on the U.S. men's national team, barring, you know, probably some of the U23 call-ups and even for them, um, no matter what they get, from the world cup it's going to be a nice bonus to them you know it's sort of you know hey if you're if you're an executive at a top company and at the end of the year you get a 10 percent bonus hey that's great you know i still made millions and millions of dollars even if i didn't get my bonus um but with the you know commercially there is less money in the women's game except when you look at u.s soccer so Mm -hmm. um it makes sense from a fairness perspective from when you look at how you know u.s soccer gets its revenue i think they've looked at that over the years um but also it means so much more to the players on the women's national team because you you brought up Trinity Rodman, you get the highest paid player in the NWSL, Trinity Rodman, um, or I think biggest contract. I may, I may have that wrong, um, but the it's a a significant contributor to their salary. You know, we are, um, you know, uh, no. We're not removed from the no side hustles, you know, just because we have a collective bargaining agreement doesn't mean that a lot of these players aren't having to lean on other careers. Um, So, yeah, I think it's only good news. I'm glad that it was something that was co-authored and sort of co-signed at the same time. Um, And and 
I don't know how anybody could be against this. Yeah, and 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 what, one one other thing I want to add because there's a lot of people out there that are dropping really, you know, obviously very sexist and awful arguments. Um, and even if even if you sort of buy into their argument, it actually holds very little water. Sort of saying the men's World Cup is more valuable because the soccer is better when it's there's it's that to me is always a nonsense statement anyone anyone talks about soccer the most the best soccer game is the most entertaining game i've watched men's games that have been boring and dull and i've watched women's games that have been incredibly fun and entertaining um you know especially and there's also plenty of crowds that you know you talk about the the league mx uh, feminel final between um pachuca and chivas was incredibly well attended uh, the biggest thing about about the world about world cup and and i'm not sure people know this but we actually have no idea, no idea how much revenue the men's World Cup brings in versus the women's. And that is because FIFA does not tell us that. FIFA does not release that information. They, When they sell the TV rights, they sell both the men's and women's World Cups combined. When they sell sponsorships, it's the same. It's all combined. You're sponsoring not only the men's World Cup, but the women's World Cup. Here's your fee. Um, we have no, there's no quantifiable way of knowing that. And it's really just honestly FIFA being FIFA and just determining that women's soccer is less valuable than men's soccer. And this is what they're going to do. Um, and it's really, so it's, it's really, I hope a, a movement that not only starts with, uh, with the women's side and the sort of us soccer side about giving these players, you know, more equal pay, more equal access to that bonus money, but also sort of forcing FIFA to say, look, like. You know, we can do this like we can we can collectively make a decision that, you know, we want to support both games and invest in both sides. And certainly FIFA has the money. They could equal easily, easily award equal bonuses. No question in my mind they could go do that, um, but they don't. And so I hope this puts the pressure on that. Um, it's a good thing to see. Uh, you talk a lot about, you know, this This certainly helps the high end part of, of women's soccer uh, still have a lot of work to do at the lower end. Uh, and and I hope I hope that part certainly rises as well because there's a lot of players. Trini Robbins not working a side hustle, but you know a player like Tiana Alexander Alexandra certainly is not making as much uh, on the lower end of the spectrum. Uh, so certainly needing to eliminate that part uh, is certainly very vital um, as far as women's soccer goes. I agree. Yep. And I think that so I think that's going to do it. Uh, short show today, guys. Uh, we got a lot of soccer coming up. Uh, of course, we're going to have the international break on the men's side, so I'm sure we'll have plenty of of spirit soccer to talk about as they sort of close out this. Uh, they sort of close out this uh, this huge stretch of games they have. Uh, they have a game on Wednesday coming up, so definitely check that out. Um, Five games in 15 days, Ted. <laughs> game every game every three days. Uh, they play on the road against Orlando, so they continue their road stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, just get a point, I think, is all I can say for that. Just get a point and move on. Yep. Um, guys, we will catch you guys uh, next Monday, Tuesday, I think Tuesday for all the festivities. Hopefully, we'll have a live show coming up. Uh, until then, guys, we will see you next week. Vamos. <laughs>